this morning I talked about a video, a DVD, of the debate. It's called A Public Discussion on Water Baptism. It was conducted on May 27, 28, 2016 in Lafayette, Tennessee, and it's called the Honeycutt Brawner Debate. It's on YouTube. Uh, it's also uh, World Video Bible School has it. It's going to cost you eight bucks if you buy it through them. I brought uh, ten. I think I've already gotten rid of uh, four or five of them. But if you would like to have one of those, I would uh, be glad for you to have it. If you'd rather watch it on YouTube, that will be okay. I would like for you to take it and show it. You watch it and then show it to someone perhaps that it could help uh, learn the truth. Also, I brought some tracks that I had written on why I left uh, the Baptist church. Uh, tried to be very tender with that, very kind about it, but yet show the truth of what the Bible says. Also, uh, my wife has written a book about the joys of being married to me. I'm afraid that would be a short book. I told her her next volume needed to be that. She said, well, I, I don't do comedy. So uh, anyway, she has written a book. It's uh, Paul Sane has published that for us. It's an excellent book. She has uh, worked uh, for two years on it. And some of the, uh, the table of con- contents tell her to help me. Sister, I need you. Tell her uh, to help me. Let's do this together. Uh, chapter 3, Sisters in the Minority. Chapter 4, let's be uh, genuine. Can we all just get along? Chapter 6 and uh, the, the third chapter, or the 13th chapter is Truth Needs You. Excellent, excellent uh, chapter. If you would like a copy of that, that we brought several with us tonight, they're $8. If you want one and you can't afford it, we'll give you one. We were uh, being used uh, in a lot of ladies' Bible classes now, devotional books, even as gifts. Uh, we're not salesmen. Uh, we don't. Uh, we're not doing this to make money. We're doing it to try to encourage and to help our ladies and the encouragement. Tonight, I have been assigned the subject of praise. Your theme this week, and I, I think it's a, a good theme, is the idea of uh, death and life, or in the power of the tongue. Every time I think about the tongue, I think about what uh, Marshall Keeble said about the tongue. He said, one should not fall in love with talking too much. Have you ever been guilty of talking too much? Maybe saying things that you shouldn't say? If I had one problem, and I've got several of them, I wish I could be one of these people that are real quiet, like a quiet mouse, you know, church mouse, just real quiet. Uh... I'm not that way. That's just not my demeanor. I have a lot of energy, and I like to cut up and carry on with folks. And uh, the theme that's been assigned to me tonight is praise. I could look at different and go different uh, directions about praise, but I have chosen to take Psalm 9 and look at the word praise, make application today. Anytime you look at the Scriptures... Romans 15.4, things written aforetime were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. The Old Testament can be very profitable for us. But what we need to do is glean from the Old Testament Scriptures and make application to our lives principles that would still be binding. The law has been nailed to the cross. I understand that. Ephesians 2.15, Colossians 2.14. 
I understand that's been fulfilled, Matthew 5 and verse 17. But yet it's in there for a purpose that we can learn and glean some eternal truths. Now what I want to do, I want to define praise. It is the act of expressing approval or admiration. It is commendation or the offering of grateful homage in words or song. In the verb form, literally it means praised or praising to express approval or admiration of, to commend, to extol, to offer homage, grateful homage. I'm taking that definition of offering grateful homage to God who is deity. Now, you just had, in your hearing, read Roman, uh, Psalm 9, where it says, I will praise thee, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will show forth all thy marvelous works. Now, I want you to notice that when you look at the book of Psalms over and over again, most of the Psalms were written by David. And they are written in view of deity of Jehovah God getting the praise and the honor and the glory that he so deserves. In Psalm 22, verse 22, I will tell of your name to my brethren. In the midst of the assembly will I praise you. Isn't that biblical for us tonight? In the midst of the church, I will praise you. Now, you might, especially if you're visiting, you might wonder, why don't we have a praise team? Why don't we have some key people, that's good singers, that wouldn't be me, a microphone, key them up, and let them get up here and perform? There was a congregation that invited uh, a group to come over and perform, and it really bothered me and... uh, they were even from a denominational church at Vacation Bible School. And, and I called the preacher, and I had some concerns, and uh, he didn't have time to fool with me, so he, the elders called me, and uh, I really had some concerns uh, about uh, the very thing that you would invite a denominational group to come over, then you would put on Facebook that they are going to perform for our people is so foreign to what the Bible says. We don't have pray teams, praise teams. Praise comes from within. Praise is to be done by each and every one of us. Now, we're going to look tonight from Psalm 9, why is it important to praise God? What are we trying to accomplish when we praise Him? And look at this passage, Psalm 109, verse 30. With my mouth, I will give thanks abundantly to the Lord. In the midst of many, I will praise Him. The reason we have, we don't have a praise team is because when we, and the reason we don't hand clap is because our adoration, our homage, our respect, our reverence is directed to God and not man. We don't, even though you might enjoy or you might agree with what the speaker says, you should say amen if you agree or nod your head, but you don't clap. Why? Because we have no scriptural authority for that. 
Now, is it important that we praise God? Well, sure it is. It's a command. And we're going to look at this as I develop the lesson tonight. In Ephesians 1, if you want a New Testament passage for it, Ephesians 1 and verse 6, to the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the Beloved. Verse 14, the latter part of that, unto the praise of His glory. Now, I want you to go to Psalm 9 with me, and we're going to just go through here and look at some verses, what I call exegete the verses, and look at it in viewpoint of what God wants us to do in our worship to Him. Why are we showing respect? Why are we praising God? And by the way, a heart that's giving praise to God is a heart that's filled with thanks. I believe that's the underlining motive of our giving praise to God. Because of our thanksgiving, of our gratitude to Almighty God and for what He's done. Notice, number one, verse one. He says to give thanks unto the Lord. Oh Lord, I will give praise unto Thee. Now, why should we give thanks to God? And why should we do it with our whole heart? I liked what Johnny Ramsey, great gospel preacher, he's going on. Johnny Ramsey said that when a man tries to offer praise to God and he does it from a heart that's filled with the, half of it with the world and half of it with the Lord, makes God angry. And that is so true. When we understand that we do it with our whole heart, Sometimes folks accuse the Lord's church of being a group that doesn't have a heartfelt, that it's not from the heart. Well, by the way, brethren, if it doesn't come from the heart, it's futile, it's vain. Our worship individually and as a corporate group must come from the heart and it must be because of our love for God. Matthew 22 and verse 36. There was a lawyer came to Jesus and said, what is the greatest commandment? Now there were 613 laws according to the rabbis of the day that were commands. And they had this thing dissected down. They had it all figured out. Number one, this command was, uh, that, that's the first and foremost command. Number two, and they go all the way down six hundred and thirteen. And so they were wondering which one would the Lord say is the greatest? Is he going to identify himself with the school of Hillel or the school or the rabbi of Shammai? Who's he going to align himself with? And here is what the Lord said. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. The second one is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. My friends, Jesus said you do it with your whole heart. Praise that is pleasing to the Lord has to come from the whole heart, from the heart of man. Now, lest you think that I am advocating that our praise comes from a heart that is a misguided or misled heart, is absolutely foreign to what the Scriptures would say. You see, our conscience, when we worship God and we praise God, it comes from our heart, but our hearts are educated, trained, and taught by eternal truths. So when you take the Word of God, you put the Word of God in your life, and you develop a respect for God and for His Word, and you praise Him, you do it from your heart and from all your heart. You ever gone to worship? One time, Vicky and I, we were uh, 
I can't remember, several years ago, we had done a presentation, I had done a presentation at India Work, and I had preached for them, and we were headed back home, we didn't have time to get to Willette, so we stopped in Putnam County at a congregation, we sat in the back, and we hardly ever do that, but we did that night, and because we came in just a little bit late, and when we came in, uh, she and I talked about it, first thing we got in the car, man, it just, it was amazing the way that it just seemed like they were just uh, lackadaisical in their, their attitude. Uh, the kids were playing. They were talking, and uh, the adults were not singing, and no one had their Bible open. No one had their songbook open. It just seemed like that they did not have their heart in worship. Now, friends, I'm going to tell you, when you come together to worship God, you can have a corporate, and I keep saying corporate, an assembly of that we sing scriptural songs, we sing our songs to God, and it still not be done in spirit and truth individually if you're not praising God from your whole heart. If you don't love God with your whole heart, then your worship is in vain. And that's what that verse would indicate. Not only that, look at what he says. He said... I will show forth all thy marvelous works. He said, I'm going to praise you. Why am I going to praise, David says, why am I going to praise the Lord with all of my heart? Because of His marvelous works. Do you know any of the works that God did that we would define as marvelous? I do. Have you ever looked at the creation in Genesis 1 and 2? Have you ever looked at the fact that God created man from the dust of the ground, breathing his nostrils, the breath of life, and man became a living soul? Have you ever read Genesis 1, 26 and 27 that says that God, uh, by the way, the word God there is Elohim, it's plural, God the Father, God the Son, the Holy Spirit, created man in his image, gave us a soul that will never die, and the rest of the Bible gives us information whereby provisions were made that our souls could be saved and go to heaven. You look at creation. You look at the very long-suffering of God, the very patience of God. Don't you think God's patient today? Well, man, some of this stuff going on in the world today and the White House and everywhere else, I would have to put it to an end if I was God, but God's long-suffering and God's patient. I will praise thee. Why, David? Because of thy marvelous works. You look at this scheme of redemption. You look at what our Lord endured. How that He left the beauty and the glory and the grandeur of heaven. He came and walked among men. And the Bible says in Philippians 2 and verse 5 that He thought it not robbery to be equal with God. He took upon Himself the form of a servant. And He was made in the likeness of man. And He was crucified. Yea, even to the point of death. Yes, He was crucified. And God has highly exalted Him and given Him a name above every name. God's marvelous works for your benefit, for your soul salvation. So I will praise Him. We should praise Him because of His marvelous works. Not only that, look at verse 2. I will be glad. I thought it was interesting that as I was looking at this lesson, and I, this is good enough that I want to share it. I, to me it is. And I want to share this with you because the idea here is, He says, I will be glad. Gladness is an eternal condition. Now notice this. He says, I will be glad and I will rejoice in thee. That's internal. And I will sing praises to thy name, O thou most high. Now watch this. Singing praises to God is an indication of gladness and joy 
internally. So if a man is really happy or if a person is really happy internally, if they are enjoying being a Christian, then obviously they're going to be glad, they're going to rejoice, and they are going to sing praises to His name. That's another reason we don't have praise teams. Because that's an individually, uh, individual command. It let each one of us, and this was a big issue for me when I was studying, when I was trying to come to that uh, determination of what truth is, it really bothered me because, I'll be honest with you, I, I, if you've ever heard me preach in a meeting, you may have me, heard me say this over at, uh, at Woodbury. The first time I ever attended the Church of Christ, I'll be honest with you, it was pitiful. On Sunday night, they were singing a song, we're marching to Zion. I didn't think they was going to ever get to Zion. Man, it was slow, it was draggy, it was no one was hardly singing. The song leader was off key. Everyone else, when the preacher got up to preach, he just kind of read his sermon off. And, you know, I didn't have all the answers myself. But I'll say this. As a visitor, I felt like their worship was dull, was boring, was not exciting. And you know what? When I left that assembly that night, I thought, you know, do these people really love God? Are they really happy? Are they really excited? Now, you might say, what do you want them to do? Get up and turn flips? Well, I probably did then, but not now. I am with the persuasion that a person can worship scripturally and be happy and smile and enjoy his relationship and folks can look around and see that that person is enjoying worshiping to God and do so in a very scriptural way as he brings glory and honor to God. No wonder. No wonder sometimes in our worship, and I've said this many times, sometimes we act like we swallow not just a dill pickle but a whole jar of them. Brethren, when we come into this assembly, in any assembly, it, there's one sole purpose, and that is to show God our love for Him and to edify the brethren. But first and foremost is to praise His name for who He is. That's what worship's all about. It's not about you. Somebody said, I didn't get anything out of it. You're not going to get a thing out of worship if you don't put anything in it. You can sit there like a knot on the log, you can never open your mouth, and I am of the persuasion that the Scripture teaches that it is a sin not to sing. Somebody says, I don't know about We're commanded to sing. You don't sing if you've got a good voice. If you, had to, if you were commanded to sing, if you had a good voice, then you'd have to be the judge of whether you had a good voice. I know I wouldn't be singing. But you see, when we sing, we're singing to God and we're singing praise and adoration. And remember, the word praise literally means to pay homage to. It, is, it means to extol. And that's exactly what we do when we worship God. Not only that, verses 3, three through 5, we acknowledge Him. When mine enemies are turned back, they shall fall and perish at thy presence. For thou hast maintained my right and my cause and... Thou stayest in the throne judging right. Thou hast rebuked the, he the heathen. Thou hast destroyed the wicked. Thou hast put out their name forever and ever. Acknowledge. Acknowledge that He defends us. That He protects us. Does God still not protect us? 
in His providence and through His Word, God protects us. He loves us. No wonder Paul would say in Romans 8 and verse number 37 that we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. Brethren, we're, we're winners. We're soldiers. We're winning the war. Somebody says, well, it doesn't look like to me we are. Do you not understand two men can get married and do that with the approval of the government? I'm not talking about the government. I'm talking about the Lord and the Lord's people seeking and serving God and doing His will. We're winning. God's people will always win when we're obedient to His, His commands. No wonder the Bible would say, thanks be to God for the victory that we have in Jesus Christ our Lord. First Corinthians 15, verse 57. Not only that, the Lord is our refuge in time of trouble. Look at verse 9. The Lord also will be a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in time of trouble. He's my defense. He's my rock. Now, let me give you a scenario here. You're a Christian. You get sick. You're very faithful. You feel good about your relationship with God. You know you're not perfect, but you, you've tried to live a good, holy Christian life. And you may even repent. You might even come before the congregation and say, I, I just want to make sure that any sin in my life that's been forgiven, and I, I want my brethren to pray with me. But you get on your deathbed. Are you going to be just absolutely frightened and scared to death and just, man, it's just, uh, it's just going to take hard for you to handle that you're going to die? Listen, folks, we're all going to die. The, the sinners die and Christians die. I, have you ever sat at the bedside of a loved one and watched them die that's a Christian? I have several times. That's members of the church. They'll hold your hand. And they may, may even say, I love you. I care about you. I've had them tell me they, I prayed with them and they said, thank you for praying for me. They knew they were dying. Have you ever sat by the side of a person that's dying that's not a Christian? Can you say that God is our refuge in time of trouble? I never go to a funeral home. Someone that died that's not prepared to meet God, I never just say to a family member, well, they're better off. If you die outside of Christ and you're unfaithful to God, you will never, ever be better off. God is our refuge. He is our strength. He is our very present help in time of trouble. Aren't you glad that He is? That's the reason that David said, I'll praise Him. When we come into this assembly and we offer our worship to God, we do so because we understand that He is our refuge, that He is our rock. Not only that, look in verses 13 and 14 of this chapter. Have mercy upon me, O Lord, and consider... Uh, my trouble, which I suffer of them that hate me, that thou hast uh, liftest me up from the gates of death, that I may show forth all thy praise in the gates of the daughter of Zion. I will rejoice in thy salvation. Mm. You know one reason that we can come and worship God and praise Him is because of our salvation. We're Christian. We're, we don't, we're not living as though the world lives. They have no hope. First Thessalonians 4 verses 13 through 17. Uh, we're different than the world. We have a bond that binds us together. We have fellowship with the Lord. Uh, do you understand how that works? 
that sin is a separation between you and God. And once that sin is removed, there is fellowship renewed. You enjoyed that fellowship when you were born in this world. When you became accountable, that sin is a barrier and separation occurs. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus came to remove that sin. Jesus, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. I want to remind you tonight, we're commanded to worship. Worship from the heart. And John 4, 24, God is a spirit. And they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. We need to remember, church, at the heart of worship is worship from the heart. We're not performing. We're not getting up here and one fellow said one time, he introduced me right before I got to preach and he said, now here's the grand finale. The grand finale? Well, we're hurting if I'm the grand finale. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about the Lord. When we came this morning and we partook of the Lord's Supper, we did that as a body of Christians because our worship is to be from the heart, all of our heart. Now, I want you to notice this song. Lift up thy voice in praise and devotion. Saints of all earth before him should bow. Angels in heaven worship him, saying, Worthy art thou, worthy art thou, worthy of riches, blessings, and honor, worthy of wisdom, glory, and power, worthy of earth and heaven's thanksgiving. Worthy art thou, worthy art thou. Brother, I appreciate you singing all these songs about praise. Did you, you, I challenge you to look at how many songs we sing almost on a regular basis that's praising God. That is showing adoration to Jehovah God. Now, my first part of my lesson, and I'm, I don't have time for the second part of my lesson, but the first part of my lesson was worship and how important it was to praise God in worship. But how important is it to praise one another, to encourage one another? Because part of that definition was to lift one up. Now, in the context of worship, you're lifting up the Lord. But what about in the context of like First Thessalonians 5 and verse 11 when he says to encourage one another and build each other up? I think it's so important. Proverbs 12, 25 says, Anxiety in the heart of man causes depression, but a good word makes it glad. I don't know why. I, I, I enjoy coming to this church. You're friendly. You're kind. Uh, some of you even told me you enjoyed my lesson, so that made me even like you better. But someone told me they enjoyed my lesson this morning, but then a guy said, well, she's deaf. She can't hear her. <laughs> so brought me back down. But think about it just for a moment. A kind word. I know a guy that played high school basketball. He, he could score. He could rebound. And uh, he told me, he said, it didn't matter what I did when I played high school. He's older now. He said, on the way home, Daddy and Mama would always tell me what I did wrong. Got in foul trouble too easy. You, you should have got that rebound. You should have done this. And aren't we like that sometimes in church? Don't we, don't we always just sometimes just nitpick folks instead of looking to good and praising and encouraging and lifting each other up? Listen to this. Pleasant words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the bones. Proverbs 16, 24. I'm going to ask you a question. Are you a Barnabas? 
Think about how many people in this world have the gift of discouragement. How easy it is, is to be a discourager. Don't you agree? You see, when that person talks, it's always something very negative. Everything's discouragement and everything's frustration. It reminds me of a little story that I read. I think I found this in House to House, Heart to Heart, several years ago. And the question, are you a hummingbird or a buzzard or a vulture? A hummingbird, when they fly over, they're always looking for something fresh, something that uh, they can fill themselves with life, something sweet. But you know what the vulture's looking for? Dead animals. Something that smells bad. They're always looking for something that they can just uh, go in and consume it. And the author says, are you a hummingbird or a vulture? Your attitude. Are you like Barnabas? Do you, do you encourage? Do you pray? Not in the same sense that we praise God, but we still are, ought to encourage and lift one another up. Man, it is amazing what can be done when we have the mindset as God's people that we want to encourage. I don't care who gets the credit. doesn't matter if my name's in the bulletin or not. You know why? Because I have got in my heart an agape love that you are the recipient of my love and I want what's best for you. And it's not about me. It's not about you. It's about praise to Almighty God and encouraging one another. Boy, how true that really is. Everyone in here probably knows Hebrews 10.25, but do you know who Hebrews 10.24 Verse 25 says, Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another so much more as you see that day approaching. Do you see verse 24? Let us provoke one another to love and to good works. Brethren, if every one of us, and I challenge you, when you come into worship, number one, you come in with an attitude that I'm going to worship God and I am going to praise Him and Him alone. And number two, I challenge you from this day forward to be a hummingbird. Somebody says, well, I could be a hummingbird. All they want to do is eat. That's not the point I want to make tonight. The point I want to make is be like the hummingbird and you want something sweet. You're looking for that which is good and right. Oh, how powerful, how powerful that is. We're going to sing the invitation hymn tonight. Perhaps you're not a Christian. In assembly this large, there are probably folks that are not Christians. That's accountable. We would encourage you, before your praise and adoration could be acceptable to the Lord, you have to be in His body. You have to be a member of His church. You have to be a Christian. And you do that by obedience to the gospel, by hearing that gospel. Romans 10, 17, by believing of that gospel. Hebrews 11, verse 1, and again in verse 6. And you repent, you change your mind, you change the direction, you change your will, and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord, that He is the Son of God, and you're baptized in water to contact the blood. It's not the water that saves you, it's the blood of Jesus that saves you. We've left people in the world the impression that the water saves you instead of the blood. The blood saves you when you do what God said to do. And what God said to do in Romans chapter 6 is to be immersed for the forgiveness of your sins. Been unfaithful? You feel like you just need the prayers of these good brethren? 
We're here because we love you. We love the Lord. We want to encourage one another. We want to be better people in the future than we have been in the past. I need you to help me do that. You need each other to do that, to encourage one another. If you're subject to the Lord's invitation, would you come? While together we stand as we sing. Oh, Jesus.